0: Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a
1: production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. The Eagles are still undefeated. Might we have a running back controversy in Dallas? And the trade deadline is Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. All of that coming up on this hour. Happy Halloween of NFL Now on NFL Network from our newsroom in Los Angeles. My name is Andrew Siciliano. We're also live in Cleveland ahead of the end of Week 8. The two teams that wear orange, the Browns and the Bengals, in Monday Night Football. That is a little bit later. We open Monday show. We often do it this way with some injuries. News and our insiders Ian Rappaport and Tom Belisero with us now (laughs) or Darth
2: Vader I should say you guys said we you guys said we were doing costumes this hour now now I just feel silly
1: Tom Belisero is your father Ian I don't know if you know that um no no okay uh Cooper Cup. Uh, Sean McVay talks in a couple hours. Ian, what's he going to say?
3: You know, Andrew is what one might consider a television professional. At least he considers himself that, I would say. You threw Thanks, him off a little bit, Tom. I,
1: I did not know uh, that so he job. was coming out as Anakin Skywalker well, Vader. Yeah.
3: Andrew, one thing that happens in TV is sometimes no, you just things gave it happen away. you're not ready for it and you actually need to adapt. You were unable to do that. I'll take over from here. Much like I'm you awkwardly this
1: morning tried to be funny, saying, like, why aren't I? Like, I should be in a costume.
3: I was funny. We call that actually funny. Anyway, let's talk about uh, Cooper Cup. My understanding is he suffered a regular low ankle sprain uh, yesterday, real, real late in the game. Sean McVay saying basically it was his fault for having Cooper Cup out there. Given the score, given the time, regardless from what I understand, Cooper Cup believes that he has dodged a bullet, that he is going to eventually be okay. And I would put his ankle injury uh, in the category of, day to day or questionable or something where he's got a chance to play, but you need to see how it responds, how swollen it gets, how it takes to rehab. It seems like overall, the Rams star receiver is going to be fine, but we need to see how the week goes before we determine his availability. Meanwhile,
2: Ian, the Lions have made a change on their coaching staff. Dan Campbell firing their defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator, Aubrey Pleasant, following Sunday's loss. To the Dolphins now. Certainly, Pleasant is somebody who's been well regarded within the league for a long time, dating back to his days on the staff with Sean McVay's Rams. But certainly understandable, the Lions felt like they had to do something after the Dolphins came back yesterday. Tua Tagovailoa, Tyree Hill have made a lot of people look bad, but throwing for 369 yards in that game, another high-scoring loss where the offense for the Lions did its part, not the defense. Campbell has expressed public confidence in Aaron Glenn consistently throughout the season, so it is Aubrey Pleasant who ends up being the one let go today. Man, tough
1: one. Aubrey Pleasant fired today. The DB's coach for the Lions, a defense that yesterday forced a punt in the second half for the first time at home since week two. True story. 22 straight possessions. That defense had not not forced a punt at home. Tomorrow, Ian, 4 p.m. Eastern, is the trade deadline. Who might be buying at the deadline?
3: Well, I'll give you a couple teams to watch. We'll see how many of these trades actually happen. A lot of conversation, a lot of conversation going on now. Just didn't sense like there's any, you know, deals that are imminent. But we'll see. This could change on a dime. A couple teams to watch. The Baltimore Ravens are always aggressive. General Manager Eric Tocosta has never met a trade. He wouldn't at least consider. Um, So I would believe they are making calls specifically when it comes to potentially adding to their defense. That would not be a surprise. The Los Angeles Rams, I don't know if you guys know this, but the way the Rams feel about their picks is a way that we simply cannot state on television with children watching. Um, That is continuing to be the way they feel. Uh, We know they have some potential pass rush need, some potential running back need because they were in so heavy on the Christian McCaffrey deal. That would be another team to watch. The Green Bay Packers have a big-time needed receiver, a little bit of a need at tight end. That would be another spot to watch, although if they – you know, mortgage the future and add a receiver. Is that really worth it, considering being three and five? And then the Philadelphia Eagles lost Jordan Davis yesterday. Do they choose to fill that hole on defense via trade? That also to be determined.
1: Okay, so those are the buyers. The sellers, Tom. I mean, I know a lot kind of was hanging in the air. Some people thought as to some of the outcomes yesterday. Browns play tonight. Bang, uh, Broncos won yesterday. Who's selling?
2: Andrew, there really aren't true sellers in terms of fire sales right now within the NFL. Obviously, we've seen the Panthers make some moves. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, since dismissing head coach Matt Rule. But certainly, any team that is really at this point largely out of the playoff picture is going to be getting calls. So, the Jaguars certainly would continue to get calls as they have been on Josh Allen, as we've talked about previously, their standout pass rusher, not the Bills quarterback, somebody who is a high draft pick. The Jaguars envision signing for the long haul, but does somebody step forward at a time that everybody needs more pass rushers with the type of offer that Trent Baalke and company can't confuse. And then for the Texans, they're obviously buried in the standings right now as well. We've talked about Brandon Cooks being a potential target. Nick Casario, never afraid to make those down-the-line type of deals, too. Amass picks for future years. Those are two of the teams that, again, not necessarily sellers, but certainly you would anticipate getting calls here.
1: Right. The Texans right now, if the season were to end today, it won't. Okay. Would have two top five picks because they have the Browns' first-round pick from the Deshaun Watson trade. Again, Browns play tonight. Against the Bengals. Thank you, Ian, and thank you, Tom. Uh the Eagles will not be picking at the top five, at least not with their pick, because they are still undefeated. This is Jalen Hurts, who has won nine consecutive starts dating back to last year. Regular season starts, just throwing amazing, like touch passes, showing off the arm. AJ Brown had a day. AJ Brown had three. Touchdown. He could have had four touchdowns. I got you. I got you. Uh, I got another win. The Eagles are 7-0 and for the first time since 2004. Uh, they're dressed up like a great team.
4: You know, it's just it's just an uphill climb. That's what we always talk about. It's an uphill climb. So that's, that's what it is, you know what I mean? And I honestly feel like there is no arrival. There is no arrival. You will never get to a point where you say, I've arrived. There is no arrival. There's only the journey, and I've embraced that journey, and I'll continue to do that and take it day by day and just try
1: and climb. Jalen Hurts is kind of that one unifying force here. Ten consecutive starts. The Eagles have won with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Huge part of that as well, Uh, his best buddy, A.J. Brown, as mentioned, three touchdowns, could have had four. Mark Ross, Steve Weitz, James Palmer, who talked to A.J. Brown after the game, was at that game. Another great Philadelphia win joins us here on Eagles Cam. James, no matter who it is, whether it's A.J. Brown from day one this year or Robert Quinn getting into it yesterday as well, um, they bring guys into this building, it works.
4: Yeah, and I think all of the pieces that they've brought in, Andrew, to a team that was already very good heading into the offseason shows us exactly what's so important in winning football games, and that's the chemistry of your locker room. You mentioned A.J. Brown coming in. You know, They bring in Hassan Reddick as well. They also, right before the start of the season, bring in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and then they bring in Robert Quinn just this week. And what's happened with each and every one of those guys is, when I talk to people in the building, two things happen. One, they're told that they can be themselves immediately. We know that C.J. Gardner-Johnson has a big personality He has been allowed to be himself right from the moment he arrived in Philadelphia. And two, they are told what the standard is in Philadelphia, and that happens immediately. Fletcher Cox told me he walked up to Robert Quinn the first day he was in the building and said, we practice hard here. And Robert Quinn said, good, that's what I wanted to hear. And that's the standard that this entire group of leaders sets, and they're able to go, Mark, talk to other position groups. That's the part that sticks out to me about this team, to where guys on the offensive line can talk to defensive backs and hold them accountable. Guys in the wide receiver room can hold guys on the defensive line accountable, and that communication is extremely important in building a team. Now, they haven't had any adversity yet, that they're 8-0, but at the same time, that's important when you're trying to piece things together, especially when adversity will eventually come at some point.
5: No doubt that, James, and culture is, is, I think, thrown around way too much in sports and in football with culture, but what what the Eagles have right there now is belief, and that's belief from the top, the tone set by the ownership and your general manager and your head coach, and then it goes to the players, the best teams that I've been around with, the Giants winning Super Bowls, everybody was in it for the new york giants not for themselves not for their stats not for their money but how can the new york giants win football games and that's what it seems the eagles have going on right now with all the different players that they've brought in there you always think it's a concern well new draft picks and you trade for guys and, and all that but everyone's buying in but the most important part of all that and bringing that culture together is Jalen Hurts. And every time this young man talks and opens his mouth, I mean, he says the perfect thing. You can tell that the team rallies around him. And when your best player is the leader and can carry himself like he does, man, that that can take this team to the Super Bowl. And I love the the nod to Chuck D there with the P.E. outfit that Jalen Hurts had on. (laughs) It's going to take a nation of millions to
6: hold this Eagles team back, Steve. I see what you did there. Shut them down, right? Yeah, but I'm going to believe the hype and you, you guys you guys hit the the right points. I mean, we saw like last year when the Rams made some trades, you know, to bring guys in teams that bring guys in like the Buccaneers. You've got to have that point, man. And, and Jalen Hurts being that point, man, being unselfish, sharing the love the way he does with the rest of his team. That's important to everybody. But I also want to look at one specific position group and that's the offensive line. I mean, when we talk about, oh, the Packers don't have an offensive line, Rams offensive line injuries, all these these injuries and stuff with the offensive line, having that ability to dominate up front on that side of the ball has made things a lot easier for the Philadelphia Eagles. They also have a good defensive front. They have decided to build this team along its lines, draft well, add some of the pieces through free agency and trades. Like you said, James, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, add those pieces at the skill position, but the fact that they are so loaded up on front and they've made that commitment to do so, has allowed the building of this team and the chemistry of it to really flourish the way it is right now.
1: Can I bring the public enemy thing full circle again. here? We're, we're Super Bowl 57. Ah. Being Glendale. By the time we get yeah. there, Andrew. By, By the, the time, time we they get, get, get to there. Arizona, the Eagles will likely be the NFC well champion. See what we did there? I mean, good. they're yeah. undefeated. Very they're the last well remaining undefeated team. Okay, uh, James, thank you. Let's get to the Steelers here because they're the other side of Pennsylvania. They are now 2-6, and six, and that win over the Bengals week one feels like 100 years ago. Mike Tomlin has never had a losing record in a single season this year. It might happen. Listen to his quarterback after the game.
7: Yeah, not not detailed, you know, not detailed guys need to know what they're doing. Um, You know, we need to study more. I don't don't think we study enough as a group. Um, There's way too many, you know, penalties and and stuff like that, which, you know, we can control. It's all mental. Um, So for that to happen, there's really no excuse for that. So, you know, we have to figure that out and, and get it right.
1: Mark, what if I told you that Najee Harris also questioned the team's discipline and accountability?
5: That's not good, I don't think, Andrew. When you got your rookie QB, who's supposed to just be learning the system and learning from the vets and learning from everyone, his coaching staff, and he's the one that's coming out, you love the toughness, you love the ownership, but he shouldn't be the one that has to be in that position at this point while he's still just trying to learn the game himself, but that speaks to deeper issues Going on with this Pittsburgh team and, uh, you know, much like some other teams with Tampa, the quotes that were coming out of Tampa for weeks from the head coach and the quarterback about not being on the same page and not being prepared. Well, now you've got these same sort of quotes coming out of Pittsburgh and and that's just not a good sign. And this is where it seems a non uh, Mike Tomlin sort of situation where usually he has everything together. It seems like the Steelers are on the same page. So now this is a major concern. Well, he needs to jump in here now and say, let me take control of this team, Steve.
6: Oh, well, he, he will take control of it. I mean, we know that that's one of the great things that Tomlin has done. But the fact that it's gotten to this point and have a rookie do that, and I don't think Kenny Pickett is out there trying to grandstand by by any means. I think this is something where he's he and Najee Harris, two young players, see something that's, that's just not right. And, and the Steelers, I mean, I just think about those teams of Ryan Clark and Troy Polamalu and Ike Hilliard. They would not have had any of this stuff. Right, so the fact that it is the young players doing this, something in the way this team is structured is just not great. This needs to be the veterans saying we have got to we have got to blanket all this. We've got to keep this stuff in house and we've got to get it right. You know, salute to Kenny Pickett for stepping up, but I don't think he's the guy, Mark, like you said, to be in position to have to answer these types of questions about a team that entered the season with a lot of flaws and has simply just not gotten better.
1: So here's the quote from Najee Harris who's in his second season. Quote, we lack a lot of stuff. We lack a lot of experience, lack a lot of discipline, accountability. We lack a lot. This is stuff we talk about every week. The NFL trade deadline. The Niners made their big move two weeks ago. That big move paid off in big ways Sunday at SoFi. We'll tell you how and what it means for both teams straight ahead.
0: You go into your shower feeling
1: All right, you're watching NFL Now, NFL Network. Christian McCaffrey at SoFi for the second time in three weeks. He was here a couple of weeks ago with the Panthers. Steve White, you were here. You were there. You saw McCaffrey do this.
6: And the Niners have done this to the Rams before. And Kyle Shanahan said after the game, we knew they were vulnerable to it, so... We asked if he could throw it, and he did. McCaffrey to Brandon Ayuk, and then Jimmy
1: Garoppolo admitted after the game that this was intended for George Kittle, but McCaffrey caught it, so he threw one, he caught one, he run for one, uh, he ran for one. The Rams played a great first half, played an awful second half. Niners beat him again, eight in a row in the regular season. I think the thing I'm most happy about is just this whole team welcoming me in with open arms and... Um, you know, especially the running back room, guys like Jeff Wilson and Juice. You know, they uh, just helped me all week learn everything, and um, I don't know. I think that just means a lot to me. So obviously, those things are cool, but I'm just proud to be a 49er, and um, it felt good to get a win today.
0: I've
4: played this game long enough that we got to do it every single drive. Um, just because you have a good drive here or there, um, doesn't mean that the game's going to go that way. It's a, it's a four-quarter football game for a reason. Um, you know, we definitely had some good momentum on offense, playing well in the first half. We just weren't able to. Sustain some of those drives in the second half on, on third downs that, uh, you know, I wish I could have been better, uh, you know, better on.
1: Matthew Stafford and the Rams again played an amazing first half coming off the bye. Maybe the best first half of the year. Second half, maybe their worst second half of the year. And that is saying a lot. Christian McCaffrey, though, truly was the difference maker here. The Rams had tried to get him, reportedly, obviously, yeah. the trade deadline. It was the Niners. Who got him instead and to show you the mediocrity steve or or parody let's call it mark in the nfc the niners would be in right now it's at four and four as the seventh seat think about that
6: well look the falcons have been at four and four he as the as the division a division leader yep the McCaffrey was the difference though Yes, but, but but he was the difference and, and you know uh, i was at that news conference we just showed the video of and he, and he said one of the key things that helped him he's been there for nine days remember is he's been spending so much time with kyle shanahan But also, Jimmy Garoppolo, he talked about the guys in the running back room, but he said just getting to know Jimmy Garoppolo allowed them to do this. This was a busted play. He was the fifth option here. Again, even though Jimmy said that was intended for Kittle, he said the fact that he could connect to McCaffrey and he saw him was just some of the chemistry that they're building. It was interesting, before the game, because the Niners had so many injuries. Remember, De- Debo Samuel was out. Wide receiver Juwan Jennings was out. They said, we're going to see a whole lot of Christian McCaffrey. We saw a whole lot of Christian McCaffrey, and the Rams could not stop him. Mark, when they've got a threat like that, knowing that they're going to be getting healthier after their bye, I mean, this is one reason why we got to look at the Niners like, they're just getting started here.
5: Yeah, you think so, and that was the worry last this last game when they didn't have Debo and all. I was like, okay, well, we won't see the full – compliment of this 49ers offense like they envisioned when they got McCaffrey well it didn't matter because he was a one man offense and that's the difference that playmakers can make you know that gets thrown around too often but those sort of guys and McCaffrey's and debos on one play they can change the entire game and you saw that yesterday. Of course, the 49ers own the Rams, so we'll see how this plays out with the rest of the season. But, yes, at the NFC, anybody's in it. I mean, the Eagles, to be are clearly the favorite, and then the Cowboys right there. But then after that, it's just wide open. So with the 49ers, they have to be encouraged with everyone that they're getting back if they can stay healthy. And on the flip side, talking about one-man teams with with the Rams, with the concerns with them, is that we've been saying it all year, it's just kind of Cooper Cup and then – no one else after that you know they're struggling they they couldn't run the ball yesterday Allen Robinson still been a disappointment Matthew Stafford still hasn't stepped up the O-line struggled and then the second half to just get shut out just completely shut down that's a major concern with with the Rams and how they've been playing this year because it's we've been saying it consistently game after game that these are the issues and if you just don't have the talent to straighten it out that's the major concern but again It's still wide open in the NFC, and no one's ever out of it.
1: Nope. Rams always a team to watch before the deadline. Again, that is 4 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. The Rams started Ronnie Rivers, son of the NFL running back with the same name. Yesterday, undrafted rookie out of Fresno State. Third team that he has been with this year, the Cardinals and the Seahawks, the others. The Niners now have a week off, and then a couple of primetime games. They get the Chargers up there on Sunday night, Week 10, and then the Cardinals at home on Monday night. So two primetime home games coming up next for McCaffrey and the 49ers. Coming up next, Zach, back to reality. No, that's an Eminem lyric, guys. Coming up, do the Jets have a quarterback problem?
0: We'll answer it straight ahead. Your hip-hop
6: game is on point, my brother.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. So
1: it was Mac Jones. We told you it was going to be Mac Jones, not Bailey Zappi starting yesterday. Patriots had beaten the Jets 12 consecutive. This kind of sort of changed the game. This is a pick six. Michael Carter, not the running back. The other one runs it back. 86 yards. Except JFM, Jonathan Franklin Myers was called for roughing the passer. Either way, Patriots get a field goal out of it. It's 10-6 to 6 at the half. Still 10-6 in the third on a fourth down here. But Mac Jones, it's Jacoby Myers. Patriots take the lead, and the Patriots go on to win this because this kind of summed up Zach Wilson's day, running around in circles in the backfield and just, like, flailing and throwing picks. Devin McCourty, brother of the host of Good Morning Football, got two of them. Patriots win. Devin also got an interview with Mike Giardi.
8: How much did the defense put on themselves just based on how last week went, or Monday
6: even. Well, I would say we knew the Jets had a good defense as well. So we knew it was going to be tough. Points were going to be hard to come by. They made some plays. We made some plays. Our offense made enough plays at the end of the day. We did defensively, and I think some special teams. Obviously, Nick, our kickoff team, played great today.
0: We got faith in, uh, in Z. Um, He's played good football. He's been, he's taken care of the football uh, since he's gotten back, and he's shown uh, flashes of good football. So, um,
3: everyone in the locker room still has his back. You know, like as you see, like we're we're still moving the ball. I just had some boneheaded plays. First, uh, second interception, I really meant to throw that ball away. Dude closed on me faster, kind of had me leave the ball inside. Um, Can't mess with that. Got to sail it. And then the last one was just really I really just wanted to make a play. Sick like of coming off the field, and, and I can't do that. You know, put my defense in a bad situation there. Um, but no, all day I, I didn't feel like I let that stuff bother me.
1: I think our Judy Batista, who is not here with us, but Mike Giardi and Mark Ross is. Judy Batista had a great lead here, Mike. Mm-hmm. The Patriots came into Sunday's game with a quarterback problem. The Jets exited with one.
8: Yeah, there has to be a lot of concern, and you heard Robert Saleh kind of back his guy, Zach Wilson. But a situation where Wilson talked about the idea that, you know, there are plays that I make during the course of the game, and I say, why did I do that? And there were three massive plays yesterday where he came away with his hands to his helmet saying, why did I do like, that? that? And he turned the ball over on all three occasions. It just can't happen in a situation like that where, look, in the last four games that they had won prior to, He was not the reason why they were winning, but he was also not the reason why they were in jeopardy of losing. He played smart football. He he did carry them in the fourth quarter against the Steelers, but the the last three games, no interceptions, also no touchdown passes. They were content to run the ball and win with good defense, which, by the way, they have a very good defense, a defense that's ready to win now. But Wilson is scattershot sometimes in the pocket. And here's the thing that really would concern me. Under pressure this year, this pro football focus, he is 9 For 47 for 151 yards, one touchdown, five interceptions. The Patriots pressured him 17 times yesterday, and it just, Mark, it just got ugly, and he he never was able to pull himself out of it.
5: Yeah, it it got seriously ugly, and that's a huge concern, I think, for the Jets. And when they were winning, it masked him not playing very well. They were winning despite Zach Wilson, so you can kind of blow it off and say he's leading the team, he's winning games. But yesterday on full display, you saw the best and the worst of Zach Wilson. Look, you love his improvisational skills. When he goes out there, and he runs around, he throws balls. But then yesterday, it came back to just bite him, where it's like, give up on the play, Zach Wilson. You got to let it go. And those are three of the worst interceptions you'll see. So that's a major concern where a player, a quarterback can think about things and know what they're doing. But in the heat of the moment, that's where people fall apart. And that's what separates the greats from the average to the bad. When the pressure does come, how do they react? And Zach Wilson, unfortunately, is showing that he's not reacting very well, reacting very poorly. So that's a major concern. He looked like the, the first year, Zach Wilson, the first couple games, reverted back to that as opposed to building and getting better. So... I don't know if there's something that he can work himself out of, Andrew. I,
1: I hate to say this. At times, he looked like the little kid playing with the big kids in the neighborhood here. And I'm not suggesting he's about to get benched, but you know, there's some intrigue before the game. Why is Mike White the number two and Joe Flacco inactive? And are they going to do something with Chris Streveler? Don't know if that's foreshadowing something here, but Zach Wilson clearly has to play better. Uh, so does Mac Jones, though. And, and we're not sure, Mike. I know you've reported on on him still fighting Uh, through some of the effects of that ankle injury. Don't know if he's 100%, but they really didn't stretch the field. He got bailed out by a roughing the passer call. He got sacked six times. Wasn't a virtuoso performance for the offense.
8: Yeah, the words you heard after the game for the Patriots were gritty, tough, and resilient. But I think when they're talking about the offense, they would have liked smart and occasionally explosive. And other than the Ramondre Stevenson run for 35 yards, there wasn't much of that. couple their scoring drive were three plays, 1 yard, kick a field goal. Like there there has to be more coming from the offense. But as you look at the game and obviously the big play, JPM hitting Mac Jones on a pick six that not only turned the favor of the game, I think, but also maybe the fortunes of the Patriots season cuz I think at 3 and 5 they're in big trouble when you look at their schedule. Instead, they're 4 and 4 Feeling better about themselves and built Belichick not only back Mac Jones after the game, but then twice today in an interview with a radio station. And then on a zoom call with the media from Boston and just said, like, I thought he made smart decisions. I thought he made good decisions. I thought he used his legs when he had to. And, you know, he did point out, and I think this is important to note when you're talking about all these quarterbacks, protection was terrible. Andrew, you mentioned six sacks. Uh, Pressured 35% of his dropbacks yesterday. That's not very sustainable, even for the guys that are really mobile. And Mac Jones, maybe more mobile than people think, but not, you know, he's not that guy.
1: And you kind of called it on game day morning when you pointed out, don't forget David Andrews is out. That is not ideal against this Jets front seven. They survived, though. Coming up tonight, however, Joe Burrow has never beaten the Browns. I'll say that again. He's never beaten the Browns. We're live in Cleveland. Straight ahead. I love it. It's the two teams with the orange helmets, like the pumpkins, like the jack-o'-lanterns, playing on Monday night football on Halloween. Trick or treat. If you knock on my door, please do it before kickoff, which here in L.A. is like at five-something in Cleveland there where Bridget Condon is. It's after 8 o'clock live at First Energy Stadium where the Bengals are trying to get a division win and have to do so, Bridget, without Jamar Chase.
7: Yeah, Andrew, Joe Burrow is going to have to try and get his first win against the Browns. He's 0-3, and he's going to have to do it without his security blanket, Jamar Chase. We know the connection, the chemistry that these two have dating back to LSU. And Jamar Chase is Joe Burrow's favorite target. He's been targeted 74 times this season. The guy behind him has 30 less targets. That's T. Higgins. And I was talking to center Ted Karras this week, and he said you cannot overstate the importance of Jamar Chase. He said he's our biggest playmaker and we're going to need to be ready to make adjustments tonight. But he did say the one positive thing. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, their other receivers, they are both very dominant for this offense, and they're both ranking in the top 25 in most receiving yards in the entire NFL right now. So he has a lot of confidence in those guys. But again, they're going to need to make adjustments. And one thing he says that's positive is Joe Burrow is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I asked him, what do you mean by that? And he said he has the ability to just drop the ball right into the receivers' hands, which will be very beneficial for this offense tonight, Andrew.
1: Exactly. Playing against a Browns team that does not have Denzel Ward, among other pieces, defensively. And a Browns team here, Bridget, that has lost four games in a row overall, at times finding new and creative ways to lose. What are they saying about breaking that streak?
7: Andrew, what they're going to need to do tonight is get Nick Chubb going. To put in perspective how important he is to this Browns offense, the Browns are 2-0 when he has 20 or more carries. They're 0-5 when he has less than that. He is going to need to find holes and get this offense going. I was talking to Bengals cornerback Chido Awuzie, and he told me that Nick Chubb is like a juggernaut running through a brick wall. He said he's so hard to tackle. He has so much momentum. This guy has more than 600 yards after contact. That's the second most in the entire NFL. So Cheeto told me that they're going to need to buckle up their chin straps, mold their mouthpieces, and get ready to hit somebody. This is going to be a very physical game. And, Andrew, one other quick note for you. The Bengals have not allowed a second-half touchdown this entire season. Guess who is tied for the most second-half touchdowns in the NFL this season? Nick Chubb.
1: Mm-hmm. And the Browns' second-half defense has not been good, but the Browns have beaten the Bengals four straight, their longest streak since the early '90s. And write it down tonight, kids. Joe Burrow has never beaten the Browns. Bridget Condon live there in Cleveland ahead of Monday Night Football. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.